Jacksonville's morning news continues. It's 8.08. This is the WOKV Spotlight on 104.5 WOKV. Well, because he only turned 200 once, the Jacksonville Historical Society, the city, James Weldon, Johnson Park, and the Friends of the Park are gathering together just a few thousand of our closest friends to celebrate. We hope maybe tens of thousands tomorrow in downtown Jacksonville. And uh, if you will, Jacksonville's historian, the director of the uh, Historical Society, Alan Bliss, is with me. And as you all have been planning this out and you think back, I, I'm sure you've probably had so many recollections of Jacksonville throughout the 200 years. As you've been planning this out, have there been surprises that you've had along the way out? Jacksonville is a surprising place in a lot of ways. You know, I talk to a lot of people who come to Jacksonville from elsewhere. And everybody, every one of us, you, every one of us, Rich, has our own Jacksonville story. But when you talk to people who move here from elsewhere, the city seems to have an image and people bring some preconceived notions about it with them when they arrive here. And every one of them at some point expresses surprise about what Jacksonville turns out to be. It is a complicated place. It has, as you mentioned, a rich history. I personally remember very little of it, but this anniversary has been 199 years, 11 months, and X number of days coming. We're almost there. When you think about that perspective, we stand on the shoulders of generations of people who have lived here, built families, businesses, careers, and industries here. We now live in a place where we stand on their shoulders. When you think about Jacksonville that way, it reminds us that we are the stewards and custodians of this place now. And the people who come after us are going to stand on our shoulders. And they will inherit the legacies of our choices, our decisions, the spaces that we create. <clears throat> it reminds us of our citizenship duty. And it makes us all thoughtful about how lucky we are to be at a place where we have a chance to make a difference in the future. This anniversary is not just about looking back 200 years. It's about looking ahead 200 years. And that's an interesting point because I was reading uh, Mark Woods in the uh, Times Union yesterday uh, raised the question of what is Jacksonville's identity going forward? And, and I think it's still being written in many ways, but the bold new city of the South and um, you know, the River City and so much about the smell of the paper from years and years ago, generations ago. What is our identity or what might it be going forward was a real interesting read because I think we're defining that right now. People often ask... Uh, if you can distill Jacksonville down to one phrase, one sentence, or even two or three sentences, and I don't think you can. This place is sufficiently complicated that that's challenging. Other, other cities in Florida, our peer cities, for example, Orlando, Tampa, St. Petersburg, Miami, they have all carved out brands and identities for themselves. It's true. And I think to some in Jacksonville, they see that as something, <clears throat> something lamentable, or maybe a suggestion that Jacksonville lacks an identity. I think it's the opposite. Jacksonville has authenticity. It is a real place with a real history, more history, I argue, than any other place in the state, and more interesting history than any other place in the state. Our peer cities in Tampa, for example, have cloaked themselves in the imagery of pirates and piracy. <clears throat> With all due respect to my friends in Tampa, and I have many of them, my mother is from there, uh, it's a bogus story. There never were any pirates in Tampa, so that's a fake image. Orlando has cloaked itself in the magical kingdom uh, atmosphere, the theme park trappings, and yes, that's part of its identity. But does it speak to any you know, particular historicity about the place? Not really. 
Miami has cloaked itself as the gateway to South America and the Caribbean, a, a cosmopolitan place with a rich international perspective. That's its brand. It has advocated that for decades. But Miami's history really only goes back until the beginning of the 20th century. Uh, a little trading post, as Jimmy Buffett said, uh, nestled on the edge of the Everglades at the Atlantic Ocean. It has become a complicated place in its own right. But it strives for that image. <clears throat> St. Petersburg casts itself as the birthplace of aviation. That's their story, and they're sticking to it. <laughs> Even if it's not necessarily true. Well, the people in Tampa argue with them about that. <laughs> yeah, the first flight took off from St. Petersburg, but guess where it landed? Tampa. <laughs> Jacksonville is the real deal. It, Yes, it is complicated. Yes, it has terrific problems. Every city does. That's part of what makes them so interesting. What do you hope then that young and old through the this experience through the weekend are able to walk away with the, the bruises that we have from our historical past, the celebratory ways that we've been, been able to recover from the great fire of 1901, but even in recent history, ways that we've been able to kind of pick ourselves back up off the mat from Doran 64 and historic flooding downtown from recently Irma. The, the not-so-good and the new resiliency or the recent resilience, what do you hope people walk away with as they're part of this bicentennial here? The impulse to be part of the conversation, the sense of awareness and responsibility that we need to be part of the solution. We try to avoid using and certainly overusing the word celebration when we talk about this anniversary. Uh, I tend to favor the word commemoration and that's because there <clears throat> there are parts of Jacksonville's history that are in some cases painful, dark, tragic, complicated. We can't shrink from those stories and we can't flinch from the truth about Jacksonville's history. History is meaningless unless it's honest, unless it is truthful. <clears throat> so what I invite people to do is engage with the facts about Jacksonville's past and be mindful that we are leaving a legacy behind for other people. And we hope that the facts of our passage in this place now will be something that future generations can look back on with appreciation, gratitude, and maybe even a little flicker of admiration here and there along and the way. You look at just the last two years, how much has changed. Where we sit right now used to be known as something different. You can see right there what used to stand above that uh, large sculpture. You know, this was Hemming Park. This is James Weldon Johnson Park. Just in the last two years, we've already seen some significant change. We have, and the the uh, the granite column that uh, that you're pointing to, Rich, is a legitimate artifact of Jacksonville's history. After the Great Fire of 1901, that was just about the only thing left standing in the downtown core. It's a way to help tell a complicated series of stories about the long arc of history in this place. And James Weldon Johnson Park, formerly known as Hemming Park, really has long been sort of the center of public discourse in this city. It's right in front of Jacksonville City Hall. It's right across from the, uh, from the Brian Simpson Federal Courthouse, right across from the Museum of Contemporary Art, Jacksonville Public Library. So much has happened in this just this, just this few thousand square feet here in the heart of downtown. And uh, tomorrow, Saturday, the events, the observations, the commemorations, the ceremonial part 
of this bicentennial will kick off, I think, appropriately here in Jamesville and Johnson Park. We're visiting with Alan Bliss with the uh, Jacksonville Historical Society. We'll pause for a moment. We have to do a weather and traffic update, but I do want to get into a little bit more of the uh, kind of quiet way that Jacksonville got started nearly 200 years ago to the day. It'll be J uh, June 15th next Wednesday. How a piece of paper, a petition, got this whole city started some 200 years ago. Next on Jacksonville's Morning News. Special hour of Jacksonville's morning news continues live from James Weldon Johnson Park. We're at the corner of Laura and Monroe visiting with our friend Alan Bliss with the Jacksonville Historical Society in advance of tomorrow's bicentennial commemoration. Now, I've been talking about a bash and a celebration, and to your point, it is, and you're trying to frame it in your mind, I guess, as the historian for Jacksonville as more of a commemoration. But there is the fun part. We've got a parade here that steps off at 415. Live music over at what used to be the landing to see that transformed. We were talking off the air just in the last three to five years since we've been here and feeling downtown come alive in Jacksonville. There's a new history that's being built and written about Jacksonville right now that we're living. Is this a turning point in our history? Turning points are usually only visible in the rearview mirror. And you see you see the the inflection point like when a, especially when a downtown renaissance really gets traction and starts to take hold. It will be in the years after that moment of renaissance that people look back and say, yeah, that's when that happened. It's not always very visible in the moment, but you're right. It really does look and sound and feel as you move through Jacksonville's downtown core and the surrounding areas now as though all of the things that have been brewing for years are finally coalescing. They're getting traction. And if you haven't driven through downtown for the past two, two and a half, three years, and you do now, People take a look around and say, man, what happened? There was a piece of paper, basically, that got the city started in 1822. Tell me that story. So it was on June 15, 1822, 200 years ago next week, that a group of several dozen citizens of this area of the lower St. Johns River signed a petition to the then Secretary of State, John Quincy Adams, and they asked him to designate the place that they called Jacksonville, and that's the first time we have any record of that. They asked him to designate it as a customs port of entry, and there's no evidence that Secretary of State Adams ever responded. Uh, I wish we could find a letter in which he said no, and here's why. My favorite theory is that he asked for a map of the new Florida territory to be brought in and studied it under a magnifying glass, couldn't find any place called Jacksonville, and thought to himself, man, I don't think they're ready for this quite yet down here. <laughs> But the name gained traction from then on, and when you think about the moment when they chose that name in 1822, it's important to remember that Jacksonville had only been part of the United States for less than a year at that point. Up until then, it had been a territory of Spain. It had been part of the Sp Spanish colonies in the New World. It became a territory of the United States thanks to a treaty between Secretary of State John Adams and a Spanish diplomat named Onise, the Adams-Onise Treaty. So the people in the area that up until 1822 had been known as Calford chose a name that they thought would associate them and their place with American patriotism. And in 1822, one of the most widely known patriots in the U.S. was Andrew Jackson. He was not president yet. That wouldn't come for another few years. But he was a legitimate military hero. He had acquitted himself and his forces at the Battle of New Orleans with distinction and honor and defeated the British Army 
that really was a marker of patriotism and heroism in the early days of the Republic. So, if you had recently been a Spanish citizen and you wanted to associate yourself with, um, with the, the ideals of the new young American Republic, what better than to name your town after someone who was a hero? And so we came to be Jacksonville. And here we are, and yet we still tie in the past, for example, as you come off the Main Street Bridge and uh, maybe uh, go have a drink at Calford Chop House, for example. It's 828. We're visiting with Alan Bliss, who's with the Jacksonville Historical Society, as we commemorate 200 years of a city. Alan Bliss is the uh, uh, the guy who is putting this entire event on. There's tons and tons and tons of uh, volunteers who probably uh, have been a part of planning for, I don't know, you had 199 years to prepare for this weekend, but <laughs> just over the last several months you all have been working. How many volunteers are part of this with the Jacksonville Historical Society, James Weldon, Johnson Park, and other partners you have? Oh, man, we've lost count of the number of people who have been involved in this. My board of directors with the Jacksonville Historical Society is just a, a, uh, a key part of the team. We have a bicentennial task force that consists of representatives from over 40 organizations across Jacksonville. Over 60 exhibitors will be present on the Laura Street Corridor tomorrow between noon and 5 o'clock, every one of them representing, oh, for example, uh, neighborhood associations, heritage groups, churches, trade associations, professional groups, industry representatives. Everybody who has a Jacksonville story is invited to be present and share their story. There will be people here who have not taken out a booth and reserved a story, but they reserved a spot, but they'll be here telling their Jacksonville story as well. We welcome that and we have been encouraging that. The point of this event is to give people an opportunity to share their perspective on Jacksonville. It's past and it's future. As I've said, a bicentennial is not just about looking back, but it's about looking ahead at the 200 years that are coming, uh, coming before us. The Bicentennial Task Force has been as wide-ranging and diverse and inclusive as we could possibly make it, and uh, we continue to encourage people to show up, participate, enjoy the activities, the camaraderie, see fellow citizens, listen to and learn maybe a thing or two about people whose experience of Jacksonville has been perhaps unlike their own. We will kick off the ceremonies here tomorrow in uh, James Weldon Johnson Park, where, where we're sitting this morning at 3 o'clock with proclamations. The Jacksonville Children's Chorus will perform Lift Every Voice and Sing. Uh, the John, John Lumpkin Jazz Ensemble will be on hand to perform. We will have a parade down Laura Street to Riverfront Plaza, formerly known as the site of the Jacksonville Landing. The main stage commences with performances with the Let's Ride uh, Brass Band at 5 o'clock and other great performances running through until after dark. All the entertainment in the park has been chosen with, a, with emphasis on having a Jacksonville connection. Yeah, we could have maybe tried to book national acts. That costs a lot of money, for one thing. Uh, but it really is important to us that this be a Jacksonville-centric event. I think that's great, and uh, we'll pause for just a moment there with Alan Bliss because I do want to get back to some of how the stories of faith and music tie into Jacksonville's history. 
chatting with Alan Bliss with the Jacksonville Historical Society. So you know, Jared there, who's now up at Fox News in, in Washington, D.C., you know, starts his radio reporting career here in Jacksonville. This kind of becomes a, a point for a lot of people on their career world <laughs> where they'll start here and go somewhere else, but then other people will start here. I did 15 years ago, and I didn't want to go anywhere else at this point. It's interesting how this city has kind of brought some transient nature. The military ties in a lot of people who will come here, and then they say Mayport will be the place that they want to have as their final port of call as well. Yeah, there's a Jacksonville diaspora. Yep. And uh, people come here from all over the world. Uh, But if you talk to, take a dozen people that you choose at random and ask them how they happen to be in Jacksonville, I'd bet that at least four of them will drop the word Navy into their conversation somewhere along the line. It may have been that they themselves actually served here as part of their duty, or uh, perhaps a parent, a family member, passed through here as part of their Navy experience, and it just stuck. And plenty of people retire here, come back to Jacksonville after having experienced a lot of different ports of call and stations and duties in a full Navy career. We stand as a political economy in Northeast Florida uh, about one-third on the the financial uh, benefits, the financial payments, and the community, the culture, the society of people who have a record of service to the United States. This is a Navy town, and you can hardly tell Jacksonville's story anymore without working that in. You also will be tying in a couple of different things tomorrow in the Bicentennial. Music and faith seem to be a big part of Jacksonville's history and the 200 years, specifically music, and to see the varieties you mentioned with the lineup that will happen both here at James Weldon, Johnson Park, and then over at the Riverfront Plaza. Well, you may know, Rich, the Jacksonville Historical Society is uh, launching a music history museum devoted to telling the stories of Jacksonville's music past. It's often said that Jacksonville is the birthplace of Southern rock and roll, and I think we can make an authentic claim to that. But when you talk to artists who are in that space, they will discuss very candidly that the background of Southern rock actually is rooted in the blues and other movements, other other genres of music that have a legitimate and deep history with connections in Jacksonville. Spirituality and faith-based music is a part of that. And of course, spirituality and the culture of faith of all manner of different denominations, that's a huge part of Jacksonville's story. Take a ride through any old or even new neighborhood for that matter, and tell me how many churches you see, every one of those, is fundamental to the experience of the people who lived in that community and that congregation. Churches and schools are kind of how a lot of people define their heritage and their experience of community and place growing up. With a deep history and being the historian for Jacksonville, I'm sure you probably are kind of having to teach yourself not to ever be surprised, but is there one thing that continuously has you stopping and realizing, boy, I'm pretty lucky to be here and in this role and surprising you still about Jacksonville? I'm not surprised to be surprised anymore, I guess, to put it that way. And uh, Jacksonville continues to reveal itself in ways that are strikingly um, reassuring. It just is, it is a cool, admittedly complicated place. Uh, But that's part of what fascinates me about it so much. So we hope to be able to see big crowds tomorrow to enjoy each other's company, fellowship, listening not only listening to great stories, but, oh, look at this little honey who wants to walk up. Hi, honey, how are you? She's a little maybe 18-year-old who's toddling up here right now to the radio booth as we're at James Weldon Johnson Park. Bring young and bring old and listen to music, listen to stories about the past, and, and enjoy each other's company. Hopefully the weather holds out 
And we'll get you out of here. Thank you so much, Alan. Very nice to see you. Thanks so much, Rich. And I'm putting you in charge of the weather. Okay, we'll do our very, very best. As Jacksonville's morning news continues live from James Weldon Johnson Park on 104.5 FM, WOKV News Time, 847.